So I noticed something just before we started. Yeah. I gave Father Anthony a milk dud. Father Anthony does not like caramel. Nah, that's a stupid food. You're stupid. Your face is stupid. You're, I can't go to the, I can't say your Ah, uh, it means I win. No, here's the thing. Like, you do win. You do I just don't get caramel or caramel. I don't like either caramel. of those things. I think it's an overrated chocolate substitute is what I think it is. It's a town in Indiana. Is it? Caramel is, not caramel. It's the mountain of Elijah. Oh, that's Carmel. That one that's I'm not Carmel, not Mount Caramel. Wait, and that's the same town that's in Indiana that's in California. Carmel or Carmel. But this is caramel. Like, it's got an A after the R. Wait, I've got a question. I've got a question. This is something I feel very strongly about, is that I feel like there is a distinction between what is chocolate and what is candy. Okay. Like, if someone offers me candy, I'm like, I'm excited for candy, and they give me, like, chocolate, I get real ticked off. Like, what? that's not candy. That's yes, chocolate. No. Like, candy is whoa, Nerds, whoa, whoa. Starburst, no, 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 Skittles. Skittles. Yeah, right? I, I'm not, listen. I love but all not, those but things. But not the green apple Skittles. Those are absolutely nasty. Well, I need to go back to the yeah, lime that's Skittles. That's another conversation that's another that I'm not prepared to get yeah. into right now. It's a little late at night right now for that conversation. That's a core wound. I, okay, <laughs> core okay, well, wounds. <laughs> so, wait, wait. I, I get this. I get this. I, I'm all on board with all those candies. But why is chocolate not candy? Because it's not. It just, it's something I feel deeply in my Wow. Do you take philosophy? But like, think about it. He like, wrote his whole paper on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But think like, there's, there's like something different, and you know there's something different between like a Snickers bar and Starburst. But like Starburst, Skittles, Nourish, like, yeah, those make sense together. Yeah, but it's more processed. I don't processed? care. Yes. They're different. That's He's Canadian from... for processed. Thank if you. You're not sure. Thank you, Friday. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, on that We're doing note. Air flies all around the table right on now. On that note. Got him. Welcome to Clerically Speaking. Uh, I'm Father Harrison Air. Oh, I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Michael Lillydahl. Father Nick Rokitka, O F M C O N V. I'm Father Dan. Do you have any more consonants after your last name? Yeah, can you yeah, put your degrees after the, your name? The M, yeah, I could do. I have a, a, a AA, a BS, an MDiv, an STB, <laughs> and I'm an MBA candidate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That sounds like you got a lot of sicknesses. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so we are we're recording in um, our, our pleasant host's house, Papa Sharapa. Hey. AKA Nick Sharapa. Well, not AKA, I guess it's actually Nick Sharapa. AKA Papa Sharapa. We're going to refer to him as Lay Nick, just to not <laughs> I confuse used to him with Friar like Nick or Father Nick. Nick. Regular, yeah, Nick. regular Nick. Yeah. Regular Nick. Yeah. He's regular Nick. Regular Nick. Okay. He's sitting, sitting there si sipping out of a cup that says, You're delicious. <laughs> it, just, it does. It says it right there on the coffee what mug. Are you, what are you drinking, producer Nick? Ooh, oh, yeah. Nick, you just tell me I'll tell him. It's tea, yes, I believe. He doesn't have chamomile tea. He's Cam drinking chamomile, chamomile tea. Oh, okay, That's lovely. So we're just wrapping up a weekend together. We uh, we recorded one podcast on Friday, but a couple guys weren't here, so we they said, "Oh, we want to record too." So here we are. And uh, we didn't like Father Alex uh, Sasquatch story, so we kicked him out. So <laughs> Everyone hated that story. Obviously. So we're, he's not allowed to be on the podcast anymore. I Never really, again. I really like the story, but I, that's okay. I was disappointed with his woodpecker impression. <laughs> it was. Can you do a better us. one? I can't do a better woodpecker impression. I can only do uh, crickets. Okay, give it. <laughs> That's the sound that everyone hears when they listen to this podcast. Hey, oh, <laughs> got him. oh my gosh. So yeah, how was your guys' weekend? Yeah, how do you guys what, what are your impressions on Pittsburgh? I have a whole theory, but I need to a whole theory of Pittsburgh. I have a whole theory of Pittsburgh, but everyone else needs to speak first. Oh, yeah. 
Pittsburgh is great. It has three rivers, and the one that is most fun to say is Monongahela. Can't argue with that, man. That is solid analysis of our great city. Yes. I think I only saw one river, but it was a pretty good river. I don't know which river it was. It was the one that uh, Promontes is kind of close to. Which okay, river is wait, that? Wait, hold up. Time out, time out. Say that again. What was the restaurant called? The place I got the sandwich with the fries on. Yeah, what's it called? Permontes. No, 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 no. So, so. Creamy Antes. No, no, no. So, <laughs> if you are a real Yinzer, you just throw out a bunch of those letters, and it's called Permantes. Well, why do I throw those? Why can't I throw out the other ones? I don't it? make the culture. Pramantes. I just live in it. All right. <laughs> this is just what it is. So there you go. Father Dan, how's your weekend been? Yeah, wonderful. Um, my favorite thing about Pittsburgh is the tunnels. Y'all have so many tunnels. You do got a lot of tunnels, but usually people hate them. No, these are great. <laughs> Everywhere in Chicago, it's flat, right? Yeah. It's so flat, right? Interesting. And here, there's hills. And you have to drive your car up them, and like, you can't see the road anymore. And then you get to the top of the hill, and you're still on this 75-degree angle, yeah. but there's a stop sign. <laughs> and your car's brakes have to do all that work against gravity, which is very strong. I don't it know is. if you know yeah, that. I have a BS degree as well in engineering, so I know these things. <laughs> and then you have to, like, somehow off this 75-degree angle, you have to look both ways into this really narrow street where somehow cars are still allowed to park on both sides, even yep. though there's not Or really the sidewalk. Partially on the sidewalk, right? And then you have to somehow make a left turn. And it's really like, I understand why there's so many churches in Pittsburgh. Because you have to pray in order just to drive around here. Yeah. That is no kidding. That's good. So I, I, I mean, so I drive a manual car. And I was thinking, this city would be both fun and horrifying at the same time, driving manual. Yeah. Uh, those hills. I mean, thankfully, my car's got hill assist, so I'd be okay for a couple of seconds. But what I don't is know hill assist? Where it, it, the brakes are slightly on the tires so that you don't roll backwards as you're engaging yes. the clutch. Technology. So it's basically just uh, the emergency brake, the automatic. Yeah. What, what's the word? Made automatic. It's, it's automatic sized. Automatic sized. That's what the word you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm So I've got a theory about Pittsburgh. Because I've also really enjoyed my time. I never would have thought I would ever come to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the case for most of us. So. Well, you Whoa. guys settle down. Anyway. This, is, this is America's most livable city. <laughs> exactly. That, that plays into my theory. Right. So as we all know, uh, Father Anthony's title on Twitter is Pittsburgh's... Okayest. Okayest priest. Mm -hmm. And many restaurants say uh, Pitts are our second best-selling sandwich out of that Permanis. Mm -hmm. Right? Did I say that right? Yeah, they advertise their second. I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I said their name right? Yeah, for Manny's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I'm getting Yinzier every day. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> A plus for using the word Yinzier. <laughs> but, you know, Yinzized. you drive around town and you see these buildings that are obviously still functioning and full working condition. People go, but they look a little... Dilapidated. Yeah, that's a good word. On the outside. Experienced. <laughs> Well-worn. Veteran. Cultured. Lived in. Cultured, yeah. yes. Okay, okay. Weathered. And I, I came <laughs> to this realization of Pittsburgh, and I think, but I don't mean this in a demeaning way. Okay, you better not. It's America's okayest city. That's because you've never been to Cleveland. Oh, <laughs> no. But I don't mean okay in the term, I don't mean okay in like the terms of like mediocre. Yeah. I don't mean okay like in terms of mediocre. No. You mean okay in the sense of like as excellent as, let's say, my Twitter account. So as excellent and amazing, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Bright light of my Twitter account. On I think the internet. Pittsburgh's greater than you are. Oh yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I yeah, agree yeah. with that. Yeah. I just, but I mean, like, but I think that's actually what it, it's, what gives us its endearing quality. 
It's what gives it its endearing sense uh, of its unique culture. Uh, I, I think it's really kind of endearing that people are like this around here, and I love it. And I think it's it's a it's got a unique speaking culture. It's it's, it's a great place, and I've really enjoyed my time here. I, I was saying like some areas like we were in uh, Millvale today. Is that right? Millvale? Yes, Millvale. And I was like telling uh, Father Dan, I said, "Oh man, it's like it's like Virginia and England all together. It's like they had what? a baby." And they, they're in Milldale. Yeah. Well, no, like, it's got like the colonial feel to housing, but it's got the closeness of English housing. It, it's, it's like they had a baby and they had Milldale. One of the great compliments I got about the city of Pittsburgh, a buddy of mine from Louisiana said it is the nicest and kindest northern city he has ever been to. He expects very little from northern cities. He was very impressed that people opened doors for each other, mm -hmm. yeah. said hello. Absolutely. And the, the great thing about Pittsburgh is it's a city that cares about itself. Like there's a there's a healthy pride in the city. Oh, maybe maybe it's sometimes mildly disordered pride in the city, especially our sports teams. But it's a city that cares about itself, and uh, and they also have sheets, and that really put it over the top for me. The fact that you could go to this place that was a gas station convenience store. I mean, places have gas station convenience stores, but not places that also have made to order fast food mm -hmm. that advertise themselves as a smoothie bar mm -hmm. and also a post homecoming dance hangout place for high schoolers. Yeah. That yeah. was a unique experience. What else do you need? What yeah. else could you need? You definitely don't need, need a wall or, or, or some garbage like that. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Oh, wow. I said it. Wow. Yeah. wow. Take wow. that. Wow. All you people saying Wawa's great. I've been to Wawa's and they're fine. They ain't no shit. They're fine. <laughs> They're fine. Yeah. It's fine. I'm going to throw this out there, and I, I, I may get ostracized when I say this, but Sheets is better than in and out No. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Heresy what? alarm. Heresy what? alarm. No. Did you have a burger at Sheets? He's from California. I'm from California. I'm incarnated in a an archdiocese in California. They should excommunicate you immediately. <laughs> I'm from Buffalo. We don't have any of those things. <laughs> hey, <laughs> they have chicken wings in the bills. Did you have a burger bills. No, all I had was a milkshake at Sheets, but I could smell the burgers. They smelled better than In-N-Out. Interesting. Wow. We can't be friends anymore. Oh, no. This is a terrible way Okay, I'll go podcast. home. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is going to be very awkward. I hope Steve the Missionary is listening. Clerically speaking, say. a terrible waste of a podcast. <laughs> what a tagline, guys. <laughs> we Glad we could help actually. make That's this happen. Scary. We could yeah. actually be worse. Yeah, we, we could be, worse. insert podcast name here. Oh, I was just going to do that. Okay. Uh, you ruined it. Never mind. Uh, Were you actually going to say a particular podcast? I was going to say The Crunch. We could be okay. worse. We could be like The Crunch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh. I don't listen to We podcasts. could be just two lay people just talking about stuff. But no, no, no. Way better. Way better. Look at all the grace surrounding these it's microphones. Clericalism. Yeah, I think I really like the idea of changing the podcast name to Clericalism Speaking. <laughs> a joke we made last podcast, despite some people think we didn't, we did. I think we need to... Think about that. So it's been a yeah, it's been a nice weekend. Like we, you know, we I we've interacted obviously on Twitter, but it's been nice to just get a chance to get to know each other, to to chat, to see each other face to face. We went around here. We went yeah, we were from Annie's. Mm -hmm. We met up with uh, Brandon McGinley and some other families uh, from the area. We went to St. Anthony's, the five thousand plus relics. I think it is. Yeah, is that right? Plus, we went to St. Patrick's. 
Did we go for dinner again last night? I forget now. We, we went, went to Mad Max. Mad Max. Mad Max. Mad Max. Yeah. That's right. We a place Father Max. Anthony used to work at. I did. I bus, and, I bus, and, I bus, and our beloved what, producer. What did you do at Mad Max? I bust tables. Classy. Yeah. It was a great job. Keeps you moving. That's true. Yeah. yeah. We went to Pamela's this morning for for breakfast, which was really good. Right. Legendary. Legendary. Father Dan had a he had a impressive breakfast. Yes, I uh, consumed something called the Pittsburgher hash, which was the Lyonnais potatoes. Ooh. I don't know how they say it. I really have that no idea. That sounds good. That is, that's not very fancy. Uh, but you're a, kind of an expert on French, pronunci French pronunciation. I need to see the word to read it out loud. That's how I get No, I don't really think you do. <laughs> <laughs> the Lyonnais yeah. potatoes. You got it. <laughs> that was that's probably it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like a hash browns and then two eggs. And then uh, we also had on there uh, kielbasa and sauerkraut, and it was amazing. It was fantastic. It was everything that I wanted it to be. And then I also had two pancakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I had something for dinner called meat cupcakes. That's all you need to know. About. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to give us more than that now. It was just meatballs and mashed potatoes, but like it was the branding. I mean, and it was good. I like mashed potatoes. I like they meatballs. Had an amazing I like beer cupcakes, selection. but it wasn't a cupcake. Exactly. Yeah. The place with houses is where we went for dinner. Yeah, and they had a great, great beer selection. I was thoroughly impressed. Yeah, Father very... Harrison was in his element. He started like geeking out. We gotta try this. We gotta try that. Yeah. Look at that. I don't think they had any Miller High Life though. Mm. Disappointing. It was disappointing. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. So other than that, the place now. was okay, yeah. And I had pierogies for the first time there. There you go. For the first time there? No, for the first time ever. Wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, yeah. I don't know if I had Why pierogies because I didn't have more than one because... Uh, pierog. I, I had a singular <laughs> pierog. There you go. I had a pierog for the, fir for the first time in my life, but I'd eaten so much beforehand that I couldn't finish the plate. What was your experience of the one? The one. <laughs> it was not the, the one. First, the first. Uh, it seemed like a decent delivery system for the cheese and the bacon crumbles that were on top of it. It's pretty true, and yeah, just, I've been from Buffalo, and like we take pride in our food stuffs, and sure. and it's there's more than just the city food, but it's 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 a it's kind of what you do for a social thing. You go out, you share food together, have a beverage. So That's not unique to Buffalo. No, 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 but. I, <laughs> Buffalo tries to find something unique. That's what they have. That's all they have. I can get buffalo wings pretty much anywhere in the country. No. Yeah, no, but the greatest no. meal we all share is the Eucharist. Oh, excellent. Jesus, too. Because it's a sacrificial meal. Wait, time out. So, so Nick, you also like pierogies as a travel food. <laughs> yeah, so there's some leftover pierogi, and I got to drive tomorrow. Because I wasn't the only one to order pierogi and not finish it. <laughs> so I got like a dozen of pierogi in the, for the car ride home tomorrow. And there was a lot the, of the, Yeah, it's, it's food in a pocket, and you just pick them up and eat them, and it's, it's great. And there's, there's a lot of times I stop in this place in New York City, and I get the Polish platter, eat half of it, and then just take the pierogies for the drive home from New York to D.C. It's great. What else is on the Polish platter besides pierogi? Uh, kielbasa, a Golmbeck singular. Whoa, what is that? What is Gold that? Cabbage roll. It's a cabbage and then a little bit of ground beef and rice. Mm. Isn't that oh, a Greek potato? food? No. Okay, but no. do, do they wrap it? Do they put it in tomato sauce or do they do it in a mushroom sauce? Uh, tomato. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's good. And uh, you get a couple of potato pancakes and there's a soup and Kraleski Yadlo, which translates to the King's Eatery. The King's Eatery. For $12, $13, Greenpoint, Brooklyn, you can dine like a king. That's amazing. This is not a sponsor. <laughs> Wait, so just so you get a This picture. is also coming from the one guy who's taking a vow of poverty. So. Right, right. That's true. But he's also wearing, right now, a pierogi hat. 
as he's speaking about pierogi. It's a really beautiful thing to yes, see. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I, I, it's, it's from Buffalo. It's a New Era head, New Era's headquarters, corporate headquarters. Well, you're just Buffalo, like a New York. York. For all corporations, aren't you? No, just Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Got to support our team. You know, growing up watching four consecutive Super Bowl losses is really damaging to your psyche, <laughs> particularly when you're between the age of five and nine. So maybe, maybe I'm trying to make up for it, but Buffalo's home, and, and there's no place like home. Yeah, Aww. it's good yeah. to be home. But you're not home. Nothing like our no. true home in heaven, guys. Am I right? <laughs> hey! Bringing us back. Bringing us back on track. We, we are uh, Catholic we know, priests. We, we know uh, the live recording of Summa Logica was... A great success. A huge success. Yep. In fact, it was so successful, we cannot replicate it ever again. Right? No, right. probably not. It was perfection. It, it was... It was... So, uh, but on that note, we should go into our segment, Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. We talk guests with us the idea is each of us are going to read a tweet that we find interesting etc and uh talk about it so i'm going to go first since i'm taking the lead today uh this is like a how do i put this gently it's a tweet we probably none of us would agree with oh okay that's exciting challenge that's, accepted cool. yeah as we all know today the did, day anthony, of, did anthony did anthony did father anthony tweet it out the day of <laughs> <laughs> hey oh probably um today on the day of recording, uh, Saint Oscar Romero and Saint Paul VI uh, were canonized, yep. and five others who I don't know about at the moment. <laughs> uh, they're praying for us too, right? Five other secondary saints. They must be boring saints because nobody oh, on Twitter boring. is talking yeah, about exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. So this one is from wasn't one of them Franciscan? At Steve Skocheck. No, are we doing this? Yes, we are. Uh, you're stealing my tweet. I talked about this at dinner tonight. Okay. I, about, I, 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 I said this to our. Tweetologica account earlier. I don't wait. Know. There's a Tweetologica account that's separate than the clerical pod. Account? No, I mean like our DM. We have a t- t- where we send our. Don't tweet. give away all the secrets. They don't well, need to know. Me they don't I need don't to know. know. Can I get in on this DM? No, you can no. <laughs> <laughs> It's very exclusive. Can I get in on this DM? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> what's a DM? It's <laughs> like a, never we'll mind. <laughs> Anyways. I don't know anything about Oscar Romero, but if Francis wants him to be a saint, he probably shouldn't be. Uh, I am very triggered. I'm Yikes. Triggered. How so? Is that how that works? I just, you know... I didn't know it was up to the Pope to decide who's a saint or not. Uh, I just, it's just, my brain hurts just thinking about this. Like, first of all, Your brain can't just we just thinking. be... Like, I, I, I get it. So, why are people canonized as saints? Like, well, there's plenty of saints. The Feast of All Saints, All Saints Day, right? Yeah. Is because there are more saints in heaven than we know, right? There are plenty of peasant farmers who pray their rosary, who are ministered to by stupid priests, 
who are in heaven and are very holy, right? There's tons there. But the church sometimes elevates um, certain people in canonization because we, we recognize that their lives in some way is a, a reflection, an imitation of Christ that is good for us to experience and to pray for them in a special way. That's more or less the whole deal. And are these things sometimes um, like political? Yeah, I don't mean that in a negative sense, but like this certain age needs this saint, right? This saint speaks to this culture of this age. So we canonize them in a particular way. So in that sense, I mean, I don't know, cultural, political, that's fine. But can we just like chill and be happy that we've got new like saints that we can pray to? Like it should end there. The conversation should end mm-hmm. there. Yes. And like, why are you so angry about everything all the time? Right. That's one thing about the trabening that, that I dread, even though it's ine- inevitable and unstoppable, is that there seems to be just no good fruit from these people who focus so much on these things. And it's just like, why even be Catholic if you're just going to be ticked off and miserable all the time? Mm-hmm. Like just uh, and, and there's legit things to be upset about. Like be upset about those. Right. We're yeah. ce- we're celebrating some holy people's lives, and and yes, maybe the understanding of canonization or sainthood is, is developing or, or changing or whatever but they're faithful christians faithful catholics and it's a good thing to celebrate yeah and it's also it's not like it's a power move by the pope anyways it's not like he's it's not like oh. saying i i choose to make yeah. well here's my first beef oh. did was pope Fran was this the, would you have the same reaction when pope francis uh declared saint mother Teresa a saint they might, and that's another conversation, I guess. Yeah. But or John Paul II, they it's, might, they might on that one. Too. <laughs> You're not on the great but here's the thing, though: yeah. it's it's the Pope has the ability. Not it's not a power move, but that he's speaking on behalf of the universal Church, and in a way on behalf of heaven itself to say this person is now a saint. This person is definitively in heaven. Whether you like it or not, he's spoken infallibly. It's not a power move. It's not like trying to put an agenda across or anything like that. It's rather he's just trying to say, you what? You got some more people who who show us what it means to be a Christian. Okay, so I want to kind of riff off this with my next tweet. Okay. For some reason, people think I'm not a very serious person on Twitter. I don't know. Reason? I don't know why I've given this like impression that people think they can just like joke with me and like make fun of me. I have feelings too, and sometimes when you make fun of me, I'm sad. I'm sad. But anyway, this is from <laughs> Rob, and I'll pronounce your name perfectly, Aspra. <laughs> and he says... Is he French? Uh, I don't it's know, beautiful. but that's how you pronounce the name. It's beautiful. Uh, he says, fam, they gunned him down while he was saying mass. Even at Father Sharapa would get to heaven that way. <laughs> <laughs> how anyone can beef St. Romero is literally insane. And... I was at first very sad, but then I read the tweet to these fellow priests, and they all laughed loudly just like it's that. It's very funny. So I retweeted it. So that's true. It's true. Because it's, that's the thing in the end, right? Yeah. Martyrdom is actually automatic, essentially. And, and that's why Pope Francis introduced these new categories with regards to canonization processes, is because uh, to martyrdom, we've always believed. Right? Yeah, from the very right. beginning of the church. Yeah. So we've just now solidified that in the in the life of the church. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, be nicer to me on Twitter, guys. I got feelings. I'm a person. Really? Yeah. Oh. I'm like I'm a very special person. Like I'm very important. Okay. I have a lot of followers, but behind all of that, <laughs> behind all of that glory, <laughs> I'm just. A, if just you a... cut him, does he not bleed? <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> Father Michael. 
You know, oh, my favorite tweet. I'm having a trouble finding my favorite tweet because I have so many mentions today because these guys sitting around the table <laughs> have been crowdsourcing ideas for this podcast. Have been uh, posting pictures I didn't know they were taking of me. <laughs> posting Other video they didn't know they were taking of me. <laughs> well, and so when I try to when I try to scroll oh, through yeah. my tweets to try to find one that I enjoyed, all I can find are things talking about us or Father Anthony. And there's already a podcast dedicated to that. It's yeah. this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to go there. So rather, I'd, I'd like to just say a couple of the tweets today were the exact comments that we made just in conversation. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one that came up is. The first time I met Father Anthony, we were sitting around the dinner table at dinner last night mm -hmm. uh, at this Mexican place. And I had yet to meet Father Anthony. He walked in a little bit late. And the first thing I said to him was, I like your sweater. It's like the Big Lebowski. Yeah. And <laughs> like that. And then when Dan posted a picture without his knowledge of him on, <laughs> on Twitter, someone, I can't find it right now, also called it a Big Lebowski sweater. And I felt like we were kindred spirits that, yeah. that recognized the Big Lebowski-ness of the sweater. You know, when we were at Sheets the other night, uh, when like, the brown people came in, <laughs> some random know? person said, hey, nice sweater. And that made my day. Why can't more people just give me compliments? Why can't we just do that? <laughs> nice well, it's sweater. funny because when you guys were still getting your milkshakes, Father Alex says to me, Oh, yeah, this is where Father Anthony abides. I'm like, yeah, the dude abides. <laughs> the dude abides. So it was just like, it was a brilliant day of, of consistent themes. Yeah. Then we went back and had white Russians. Do you have any other ones or was that the only, because there's another one from today. Oh, I thought you meant did I have any other Russians? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, just no I just the one white one. <laughs> no, yeah, there are oh, no. uh, so, Not really. I've been okay. so busy. Honestly, playing Super Nintendo that I haven't had time to to so, scroll through my Twitter feed. The other one was today, Father Alec, who is happily absent. Oh yeah, he's not absent. he's not hanging out with us, so he's happy. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He has this nice thing where like he'll eat dinner with his family on Sunday nights. Yes, plus like, he had to meet with his new pastor tonight too. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, I thought he was having meeting his grandfather. His grandfather is his new pastor. No, 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 no. He does that, but he also needs to meet with his pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like okay. you know, we have two things. To In do. other words, he had to find an excuse to get out of this. So um, I we were. Find one. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, were hanging outside this afternoon, just oh, chilling, relaxing, excuse. talking. Uh, Father Anthony was busy lifting, I believe, at this time. Probably. And uh, we floor. were, and we we're just talking. I can't remember how it came up, but I said to him, "Yeah, I'm just surprised you own jeans." <laughs> oh, then, Father Alec. Yeah, yeah, Father Alec. I'm just this, surprised you own jeans. This right? may or may not be true, but I think they were overalls. He was just hiding them with oh, some yeah, sort yeah, of sweater. It was, it was impossible then, to tell. Then, but then Katie Newman says on Twitter, she goes, "I'm just surprised you own jeans." And I was yeah, like, exactly. Yes, exactly. You guys are reading our minds. Yeah. <laughs> he also asked that pictures of him last night. Um, display that he was not not wearing his clerics oh no 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 sorry i i'm got that confused he didn't want that he didn't want the pictures displayed that proved that he was not wearing clerics well okay night. just to, to back up father alec here there have been many times when we've run run into each other in the rectory where i have been in plain clothes and he has been in full cassock and just <laughs> just his very presence just destroyed me with the amount of like clerical holiness surrounding him in his cassock so he's he, he wears very fancy clerical clothes and so there so no there. i liked it sometimes it, i mean you might be wearing jeans underneath them but eh, that's why I don't no we had had a conversation amongst ourselves about were we going to wear cassocks all this weekend in, oh yeah in <laughs> and <laughs> one member who i will not name <laughs> responded that he couldn't do it because he didn't own a cassock is that no no that was berettas if we were going to wear berettas around town oh yeah i don't own one 
I don't know one either. I, I, I want to cover up my hair. Yeah. No, why? Yeah, I, why would you? When God gave me this. I have a pierogi hat. You can make a natural beretta. You can make a natural beretta. It's like a beretta. Sort of. Like a John Bonnet. the Baptist Beretta. Yeah. If you're putting that into a man bun, I'm going to oh, cut no. it. No, That's no, no, no. I, I made this very clear. I do not understand the point of growing long hair as a man and then and putting it into a bun. Let it flow, man. Let it go. Let it be war. free. It's all about war. You don't want your hair to get in your way during war. But that wait that was that's what makes you look cool. Are, have you are seen we, have you seen no anime? Are we not in a spiritual warfare? Yeah. But in a spiritual warfare you're supposed to look cool. Yeah, in spiritual warfare you don't need to pull your hair back because you're not fighting physical combatants. Exactly. You're fighting spiritual, spiritual combatants and the, but the spiritual doesn't always communicate through physical. Aren't you sacramental, Father Dan? No. <laughs> <laughs> Father Nick, what yeah. kind of tweet you want to share? Yeah, just kind of talking about you know, we, um, yeah, we were talking about things just as priests, kind of hanging out, and other topics come up. But people like recognize, uh, and they kind of associate what we're talking about. And also sometimes people tweet things that are like, "Oh, hey, we're we're thinking the same thing as them." So this is a little more serious. But uh, the the or not the just trad queen going at going blonde Sarah, uh, she talked about um, just kind of depression, how confession. I'll just kind of read the. The tweet, sorry, it's a thread. It's a very good thread, but I just want to focus on it a little bit. Uh, critical attention to the, the nasty things floating around in my head. Confish, confession is key. It's not therapy. It's not medication. But it's so incredibly, incredibly central uh, to sustaining awareness of yourself as both loved and flawed. You can be both, and you are, and you must return to this concept repeatedly. You must bring it to someone else. Um, you know, as a, as a priest, just hearing confession, I know Father Anthony talked about, uh, and I think all of us have talked about confession a couple different times, um, but it's, it's really one of my favorite parts about being a priest. And we were just you know, just kind of sharing some stories. And I don't know if it was Father Dan, but just said something like, that's kind of, I, I made some sort of comment where it's difficult. And he said, well, that that's kind of the, the beauty of it, that, you know, it's there's a con uh, at confession, it doesn't matter who comes. It doesn't matter who's there. It's that you know we're. I pray to forget people's confessions, um, and that we're not there to hold on to to what people bring to us. And it's difficult. It's really hard for me at first. Um, but that we're sacramental. We've also talked about this. Like, hey, we we mostly met on Twitter, but we're meeting up. There's a sacramental nature to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. um, we meet in in person. You go as. as Sarah said, you go to somebody in person to bring them your sins, and ultimately you're bringing them to Jesus, and that, that forgiveness comes from God. Um, but that's it's an important thing, that concreteness, the physicality. Uh, of the, I mean, we, we pray the rosary. Um, you hold on to something. You receive the Eucharist. Jesus gave us bread. Just not a, a prayer, and words are good and important, but there's this physicality um, to it. So I think that tweet kind of hit a lot of different things, uh, the importance of confession, uh, just kind of the, the humility and the honesty people have uh, on Twitter, uh, the importance of, of uh, community and just church and coming together, the importance of, of priests taking time together. Um, so it really hit, uh, yeah. it had a whole lot of different things. There were a lot of good distinctions in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a great thread. So, you know, saying it's not this, just this psychological thing, it's not this, and that's yeah. really important. Some, sometimes, because people are hurting and don't know where to go to, they'll try to use confession as a bunch of different things, as therapy or as counseling. And, and it's not these people's fault. They just have nowhere else to go. 
and we as priests we deal with that as we can because we're not mm-hmm. gonna if someone takes out their heart like bleeding and throws it at you we're not gonna be like ugh gross take that back yeah. please right so we'll work with it even though that um, yeah even though uh, I got thrown off because I was told to I haven't been talking into the microphone and that's been really throwing off the whole thing um, but I, I'm gone I lost it I lost Sorry. what I was saying yeah you're talking about um, taking your heart, a bleeding heart that gets thrown at you. Yeah, that was and a great then, image, right? That was a great image. Oh, you're just saying someone just tweet about how great that image was. Throwing it, throwing it back. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, but, but no, you're, you were talking about the idea of um, uh, yeah, that the, all the distinctions of that thing, right? That, mm-hmm. that, that people are going to use it, thinking, thinking it's counseling when it's not. Yeah. So the, my point was, there's something, yeah, distinctly, distinctly sacramental that goes yeah. on. That's not any of those things. Yeah. And like that experience. Um, is where a lot of the work of confession gets done. And it was a helpful thread too. I got the answer about it too. I just think uh, I just really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was, it was super helpful. And I just what I appreciated about it was it's more it's an, it was informative to me as a confessor. Absolutely. Here's yeah. confession. Oh uh, yeah. Of okay, maybe when you're coming, you may you need the grace there, you need the forgiveness that's there, but to recognize I can't fix it all for you there. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is to give you forgiveness and to help point you to what you need to get to work with the other things. Mm-hmm. I, I, one of the things we were talking about earlier today is that we're all fairly new priests in terms of we were yeah. talking about how yeah. long we've been ordained and the longest guy, the longest ordained among us is four and a half years. Father Dan over there who's raising his hands in metal. victory. <laughs> and and I think I'm the, yeah, who's the, the pastor here. Who doesn't have any pastoral? Uh, nobody, because yeah, you're not you're the pastor not here. here. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get interaction with that. But who's in solemn vows? Ooh. That's right. Fancy yeah, religious priests. Anyway, like you're saying. But I was saying, and, and I've been ordained the least amount of time among the people around the room. I think. It's noticeable. Yeah, I think I think Father Alec and I actually were ordained the same day, just on separate sides of the country. But I think confession has been the most surprising thing about being ordained. It's been the best thing about being ordained. Uh, but I also think it's the thing that I was least prepared for going into the priesthood yeah. because mm-hmm. there's no real way to prepare for it. We yeah. in in seminary you take these classes Pray. and they have these you know uh, fake confessions where you know I as classmate will go and pretend to go to confession to someone else. But my, the whole time that somebody was in there, I remember thinking like, "Come on, Tim, I know it's you. You didn't do this. Doesn't matter how good of an actor you are. Yeah. You, you know you didn't actually do this. You didn't it's set not that real. house on fire for real. This is just a game." Yeah. But then, you know, as soon as you get ordained and somebody comes in to, you know, to confess to you, it's all of a sudden this is incredibly real, yeah. incredibly raw, um, something totally new. And something is, is a, a real learning for moment for me that I'm not doing this, right? I'm yeah. not forgiving this. Uh, Christ is forgiving this. Yeah. You know, especially, and, and I've said this before, that especially when somebody confesses a sin that I myself am guilty of, and I realize, like, it's real, real, real. It fast. gets real, real. Exactly, it gets real, real, real fast. Real fast. Yeah. That that God is using me as a broken human being we'll to be heal yeah. the exact thing that I myself am broken of. Yeah. It, it's an impressive thing to learn about that I'm not doing the work here. Well, that's that that what you just said. That's like the priesthood, right? Yeah. God using us who are so broken to help other people who are also broken. Yeah. Right, that's what it comes down to. Absolutely, and some we're, we're asking people like, "What should we talk about?" Now, there's a couple of things like joys and difficulties of priesthood, but 
That, yeah, confession is just a really beautiful experience of that, that yeah. love and mercy and forgiveness. It's Augustine's phrase, right? Uh, with you, I'm a Christian. For you, well, he says, I'm a bishop. In our cases, I'm a priest, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I recognize that I'm equal to you in sinfulness, that I hold an office, though, that, but it's an office of service. Yeah. No one is equal to me in sinfulness, Father Harrison. Okay. okay. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Well, <laughs> Some, sometimes I almost wish. Father Dan, do you have a tweet? It's a weird competition. Oh. I do, and I'm very glad that I could be the one to take this conversation from nice and beautiful uh, and very uh, edifying and theological way back down, way, way down. <laughs> right to where I belong. Right to. <laughs> Right to where I write and Are you going to read one of our next tweets now? Please. No. In Please fact, the difficulty here is that this this is uh, one of these tweets that combines a caption and an image, which I know you've done before on this podcast yeah, go because for it. I'm a regular listener. Oh. Um, and, uh, first time caller. <laughs> first time. <laughs> Long time. Second time. First time caller. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, they'll do these series where it's like. Um, <laughs> Nick is Prior, Nick, Prior Nick just saw the picture he's about to describe and bent over his chair laughing. I'll see you later. So you'll you'll see these these uh, photos that are sometimes uh, captioned and then they'll say like in quotes colorized, right? And so when it's done seriously, they take out an old photograph and they colorize it, and it's kind of neat because it brings it into you know our time and it makes it seem more real almost somehow by adding the color. And so this one, this was tweeted by uh, at wokus underscore day. I think his name is Tom for some reason, but I could be wrong on that. <laughs> and uh, the caption is, Italy joins the Axis, in parentheses, September 27th, 1940, colorized. And then the screen cap is an image from Spider-Man, where Tubby Maguire is delivering a whole bunch of pizzas. And the caption is, pizza time. <laughs> <laughs> That's more or less what Italy... And and brought to the table. To hey, this pizza time! Just, <laughs> this gave me so much pleasure to see this today. You make our trains run on time, we'll provide the pizza. There you go. There you go. Exactly. That's, that's as in-depth politically as we're going to get on this podcast. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> so on that note, maybe it's time to go into our next topic, or our next segment, uh, Presbyteral Exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the oh, best part. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, quite. quite. Yes, quite. quite. So, uh, again, we, we were, we've been gathering these five days together. Or, not five days, sorry. The five of us together over three days. It feels like You wish days. it was five no, days. No, more like it feels like okay, five okay. days. Um, but we, uh, you know, just some good priestly fraternity. And we were talking about, oh, we should talk about tonight. We had some ideas. Some guys like, I don't want to talk about that one uh, or whatever. But we, we kind of came to this idea uh, after Father Anthony's crowdsourcing uh, of a quick crowdsourcing over dinner. Um, yes. It was just to talk about what it means to be a priest today. We've got different experiences, different, like, you got a Canadian who's a pastor. You got a. Oh, you, we always got to put that in. Yeah. That right. They, you got a religious... we, we haven't seen proof you're a pastor in this fake oh, country. Boy, right, yeah. There's actually no evidence to support your claims. Not even one letter of appointment. Not even one letter. He brought some money, but it's got like a bear or a beaver on it or something. That's <laughs> from Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not guy, money. It's not real. Got a guy who's just changed to go into a new parish as an assistant. Yeah. A guy who's just newly ordained. 
a man, man who's getting close to five years of ordination, so I have some good experience in this, but we've got a religious with us. So we've got a, I would say for though we've all been ordained not that long, we've got a variety of experience. So I think we can share some. Well, what I think is just to talk just about the experience, and then we'll kind of maybe end with talking about one up and one down of priesthood that we mm-hmm. we, we have, and just sure. to kind of share that with people. Because I think, I know people often want to know what's it like being a priest. I think that's why people enjoy following the variety of us on Twitter yeah. is because we, we, we joke, we have fun, but we also share honestly what it means to be a priest. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing I noticed over this weekend is just people seeing, wait, you guys are like human beings. You're hanging around, drinking coffee, playing playing a video game, just hanging out, relaxing. Yeah. Like that we do these things, right? And that's good mm-hmm. to do these things. So, uh, yeah, so let's talk about that. Yeah. You, you I said that like I was going to say Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, all right, go over it. Go over it, Father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I wasn't going to say a thing, but then I forgot it. Um, but I will say, oh, yes, yes, being a priest. First of all, I think we can all agree up with this. Being a priest is way better than being a seminarian. Oh, my gosh. My gosh, yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'll, talk I'll just leave it there. So, like, imagine, imagine over. finding someone <laughs> that you love. And you're like, I want to marry this person. And the priest is like, okay, but you have to wait eight years. And then you can marry that person. Like, that was my experience of seminary, more or less. Like, it's something I really wanted to do. And now, different people, they go into seminary, they're at different places. Um, a lot of the beginning years are discernment. That can last longer for certain guys and whatever. But for me, it was more or less for, like, you know, five, six years. This is what I wanted, and this is what I felt God was calling me to do, and all the arrows pointed in that direction. Yeah, there, I think there comes a certain point when you're in seminary when you realize, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm called to and the discernment kind of ends. You're yes. not really discerning anymore, and now it really becomes 100% preparation for what you're going to do. I agree, yeah. From that point on, you're not really counting up anymore. You just begin counting down yeah, to, yeah. to when you're going to, to, to start being a priest because it's one of these things. I mean, as a seminarian, you're around priests all the time. You go to parishes. You see what you're going to be doing, you know, and, and you're just kind of, it's right there for the taking. I just, I need to get there, and it can be a very frustrating time because yeah. you 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 know what you're called to do you know what you want to do but you can't yet do it yeah and so yeah. when i was in seminary i would take those moments like when the priest was giving like a homily that i thought was lame like i'd never want to preach like that it happened father dan sometimes in the priests, seminary in, this, the in the seminary you realize, yeah. I, I wow. am that priest. right that's what i was getting to i was getting to like i don't know if there's been times for you where also i realized like oh no I did that thing I said yeah. I would never do. Yeah. Like, I went into the yeah. confessional, and I was not focused, and I was not listening the way I wanted to. Or, you know what? I just rushed into Mass. Mm-hmm. Like, and I had time to prepare, and I didn't do it. Oh, oh, no. I said I would never do this. And so I had, like, those moments where I had to, like, reevaluate and almost kind of recapture or ask the Lord to help me recapture some of the zeal I had when I was a seminarian. Because that's something I never want to lose. I never want to be... A cranky old priest. I can't wait to be an old priest. I'm gonna be so. I'm gonna be so wise. My tweets are gonna be so amazing. But my I'm gonna be a cranky so young priest and a wise old priest. Oh, yeah, no. gonna be dead by then. Yeah, but That's then I'll just true, like but... be writing out these little little tweets on paper and sending them to my parishioners. We're awesome. all gonna go back to the old form. We're just gonna start sending smoke signals there to each go. other. There you go. Mostly, I just hope we make it to be old priests instead of dying from all the work that we're gonna have to do. Yeah, that's oh, that's that's the new paperwork is death. That's like a half joke. It was after my first or second mass. One of the the church ladies who knew me. Uh, she said, oh, you're just like an old priest. 
And I didn't know how to take that. I'm sure not. I'm still not quite sure what she meant by it. But you know, that's like the, you bring up an interesting point, though, because I mean, a lot of I get this a lot in my diocese sometimes, or not just my diocese, just generally in Canada or whatever. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of people say, "Oh, it's so nice that we have a young priest with us," and I that honestly that saddens me. That saddens me because I'm thinking your pastor has been faithful for mm-hmm. 30, yeah. 40, yeah. 50 years. That yeah. man knows more mm-hmm. about being a pastor than I do about life or anything yeah. at all. And this is a good and holy guy who has given everything to serve you. Don't like, I guess for me, it, it betrays sometimes that worship of youth we have in our culture. We yeah. want, like, you know, yeah. with sports, they have to be young. Everything's got, yeah, if you're not, if you're not in a high place by your 30, you're never successful. Let's have a whole synod on young people because they're so great. Um, Anyways. um, Well, I think also we worship not just youth, but the the new, the shiny. You know, we're we're kind of bored and used to this over there. And I mean, I'll be honest. I wouldn't want to go to confession to myself when this old wise pastor is available. Exactly. I mean, yes, the absolution is going to be absolutely the same, but I would personally rather go to an old wise priest than to confession to someone ordained as long as I have yeah, I was talking with a with a guy at uh, Mundelein, he, uh, Dr. Dennis McNamara, and um, he went to confession of this guy. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Monsignor Esif, who's like this real famous spiritual. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, he's like crazy IPF. holy and a little bit crazy. Did you do IPF? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably where you know him. And it was like, he's he, he says, uh, Dennis, he says, uh, well, he, yeah, I like going to him because he reads souls. And I was like, that would make, that doesn't make you like super nervous to go into that? He's like, yeah. no, it's great because it's like you just don't have to, yeah. Like he just will call you out on everything. Can I can fantastic. I share a story? When I, I I met this guy. So this this priest, he basically he's super super nearsighted, so he can't see. When you talk to him, his face gets right up in your face. And I wanted to ask him some question about like guardian and angels or something, mm-hmm. but like I I started stumbling even more than I normally do on this podcast because he just looked at me like no one else has ever looked at me, mm-hmm. and you you felt him look into your soul. Yeah. But the thing that was most shocking was that he saw like my soul and he saw that it was i mean this is gonna sound maybe hard. i don't know he is he saw that it was beautiful like he got teary-eyed and that was a reminder to me like oh guys god made us good yeah. and like that that was a shocking thing that was a scary thing when i heard this guy could read souls i'm like oh he's gonna know all my sins and maybe he did or didn't know who knows but like that's not what he saw what he saw was you know god within my soul and it was a beautiful thing that god made mm-hmm. i was like oh man that's actually way more scary like admitting the fact that God loves you and made you and that you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my Monsignor SF story. He's a good dude. Well, kind of taking off that point, I think hearing confessions leads you to, to begin to, to see that even more in, in other people and then begins to, to see it in yourself. Yeah. So when I see people completely lay it out and, and rely on the mercy of God and have this trust in the mercy of God, it makes me rely more on the mercy of God. I think the best thing in terms of becoming a better confess e someone going to confession is the experience of having heard confessions mm-hmm. themselves yes um yes. i become yeah. less oh, wait. that's a sin yeah okay yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well not just that's a sin no, but no. the idea that that the mercy of god is real and it's to to be depended on and it's to be approached and it's to be approached not in a sense of shame mm-hmm. but to be approached in a sense of of love um i think that was the biggest change for me yeah and we're and we're doing that and recognizing our sin we're we're not just doing it for ourselves for to get ourselves into to heaven um yeah but for really everybody else around me it's uh, being a formator i helped train the other friars and the other priests and one of the um the assistant to the minister general he's kind of 
uh, fancy friar, for lack of a better term, but he kind of said in passing, he said, you know, Nick, be holy. If it's not for yourself, do it for the, the guys in formation and just kind of walked away. And it was this, you know, it was a brief instruction and, and he certainly, he was just very experienced friar yeah. and priest and all these things, but just made me recognize that I'm, I'm not doing this just for myself. Um, and that, in fact, is everything I do now as a formator is really for other people. I taught for two years. It was for the students. Um, and uh, so I was sharing with the guys just because of schoolwork and the, the nature of the friar. It's, it's a little different for me as a priest. I, have, I haven't had a Sunday mass uh, like in public, just me, at a parish in like four months, which is really long, especially yeah. for a diocesan guy. So, um, so, but I've been just you're in trouble if you and I've been helping out at various places yeah. and things um, but it just makes me uh, recognize what does it mean to be a priest and it's certainly bringing the sacraments to people and it's certainly um, being holy but it's this outward it's this outward sign that has different uh, charisms that has different ways of being expression um, but we're not being holy just for ourselves. Yeah. So I was hanging out with some of uh, my lay friends. I do that sometimes. I hang out with oh, nice. non-priests. I know. Oh, I very humble. Yeah. I know. I know. I just I, I grace them with my presence. But these are these are guys who have known me for like a long time, and they don't take any of my crap, which is wonderful. But uh, we had a I had a sincere moment with a good buddy of mine, who said, "I'm so glad that you pray the bravery for us every day," and like that struck me because like what you said about. We're not just priests for ourselves, priests for people. This is, I'm, I'm more and more convinced God f picks out the weakest people and makes them priests. Because if it wasn't for the fact that sometimes, like, no, you need to go be holy for other people, I wouldn't do it, you know? Yeah. I think, I think some, of it, some of that does translate to the baptized, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but in a particular way, it's for us. Right. So, so my, my experience of being a priest has been unique, uh, to say the least. Like, I started off, as a deacon in a parish after seminary, because I had to wait a bit to get ordained to the priesthood, so I was ordained like a weird time, February 7th, uh, which is a weird time. Is it weird for Canadians as well, or just... <laughs> it's weird is that like a normal Canadian time? No. Every five is that, minutes, is, I'm surprised that they Canadian actually have a calendar. That has a, you guys have the same months as we do? Are you surprised that we know how to even count? I am. I'm surprised that you can get the chrism to flow when it's that cold. Right? Does it just like block? Like it's like sprinkling ice cubes over your head, the chrism. We have a fire at the at the ordination. Uh, okay. But, so yeah, so I was And then I was like, I was assistant at this one parish for like four months. And then my bishop asked me to go help out in Whitehorse Diocese for four months. So I went up there. Then I was at the cathedral for two and a half years, and now I'm a pastor. And so we, it's it's been interesting because my experience today, is something I'm just hearing more and more. Back in the day, when you were a priest, you were an assistant for 15, 20 years, and like when you're a new priest, it's essentially go do the sacraments and don't mess anything up. Mm -hmm. That was what it meant to be a young priest back in the day. You yeah. really had, you weren't the center of attention because you they wouldn't let you be it, and you didn't. Yeah. Weren't put in Which charge. is good. It's a good mm -hmm. thing, right? You weren't put in charge of programs. Now it's like, oh wait, you're young. You have fresh ideas. You can do things. Here, here's twenty different things we're gonna throw on your shoulders because you can handle it. And my fear is that sometimes it, it's a bit more nowadays to be a priest is a bit more of a sink or swim mentality. Like we're gonna just throw you all at it with no training. Like, unfortunately, they, they put me in a parish, and I'm like, so, like, how do I be a pastor? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. No one's told me. I, I really have, I'm 
try my best. I had a really good mentor, and I talked to him almost every week, thankfully, mm-hmm. um, with I'd be asking for ideas and advice and guidance. But really, there's no training. Like like, mm-hmm. like Father Michael was mentioning earlier, it's like you can't. They don't train you. They don't really train you to your confessions. Yeah. And I mean, seminary is really good in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really train you for how to be a priest on the ground. Sure. Is my experience. So I don't know, like, how, do you, how have you found that transition? Well, it's going back to that the sentence before, you know, that the seminary doesn't really train you. I remember being in the seminary, and, and one of the guys who had been ordained for a year or two took the seminarians out for dinner. And at dinner, he said, you know, the first thing he said is, the seminary teaches you the theology, and they teach you some of the practical stuff, but the people of your first parish yeah. teach you to be a priest yeah. and love them yeah. uh, because the love of the people is, you know, in, in the essence of the priesthood. And that's something I kind of take to, to mind right now because, um, I mean, it's, it's been just in ways overwhelming, in a sense, uh, as a priest sometimes. The, the first year I wasn't expecting uh, to be invited into people's lives the way I am. Yeah, I wasn't uh, expecting, um, you know, I think mentally I was expecting it, but I, I didn't know what that was going to look like. And having to be there for people at the highest moments of their lives the lowest moments of their lives, the day-to-day, everyday kind of normal part, parts of life, and just kind of that, that emotional swing sometimes. I, and, and I know we're kind of transitioning. It's a, one of the best parts of the priesthood is being there, loving the people. Uh, but personally, it's, it also becomes one of the, the most challenging things mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I go to bed that night or, or spend some time in prayer in the evening, and I realize, like, you know, I went from uh, wedding uh, preparation, you know, meeting with a couple, and they're preparing for... You know, something that they're incredibly excited about and rightfully very much looking forward to. And right before that, I met with a family who just lost, you know, someone, you know, a son. And mm-hmm. this is one of the lowest moments of their life. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the couple that's getting married doesn't deserve me, doesn't deserve it to have me take that kind of emotional baggage from dealing with, you know, the first situation, bring it into to that. And, and then you combine that, or maybe in between those meetings, I went and read a book to the kindergarten class of, at the school I'm, yeah. I'm at. And it's just kind of like, you know, that, that emotional swings is, is one, the greatest thing that, that you're able to be there for people when they need you to be there. Yeah. But it's also one of the cha- most challenging things because sometimes I, I just feel like the emotional roller coaster I just went on was, it, it, sometimes I think it's almost too much. And I realize if, if Grace wasn't involved here, it would break me. Mm-hmm. Father Nick and Father Dan, have you, how have you found transitioning into being a priest? You know, I, being a religious, it's, I, was, I was living with uh, other men in formation and other priests for a long time. And my first assignment as a priest was actually teaching high school, Archbishop Curley High School in Baltimore, Maryland. Go Friars. Um, well, that's an it, advertisement that's not from Buffalo. I know, exactly. <laughs> Baltimore is good, too. Um, so it was interesting. Uh, and just one of the, the friars, the provincial, made sure he's like, you know, we're going to, you need to talk about what does it mean to be a priest um, as a teacher, and I was helping out at parishes on Sundays and whatnot, but there's this um, just being really uh, just what Father Michael was saying, being with the, you know, for this instance, it wasn't a parish, it was a high school, so it was mostly juniors and seniors, uh, all boy high school, all boys, uh, ages 16, 17, and 18, and being there for them. Um, you know, teaching, I certainly had my structure and in classes and lesson plans and all these things, um, but there was this openness. Um, being there for the good things, being present, and you know, half of teaching is about teaching, and the other half is being there, going to the baseball games, going to soccer, 
uh, live tweeting the, the dances and becoming <laughs> Twitter famous and then not doing it anymore and disappointing <laughs> everybody. Um, but it was just this very human interaction. I was really blessed uh, in the sense because I, I got to interact with, I had 119 students the last year I taught and I saw all of them for about four or five hours a week and that kind of, um, that leaves a mark and, that's, yeah. and it's not so much about just what I was teaching um, but it was about who I, I was in that. and that. And like Father Michael was saying, you're being there with all these people. I just think of, um, you know, the Gospels. We have Jesus and, and certainly his teachings and the different things he does. But how much other, like just more time um, he spent with people and just that, that being there. Um, and kind of like we were saying before, you know, we're not being holy for ourselves. We're, mm-hmm. we're trying to be holy um, for other people. And, and Jesus didn't need to any more holiness he was god um <laughs> technically was, true technically true yes yeah but you know he's there for all those other people yeah well i think that's in one of the ways that i've uh, or practices i've started to do is during the offertory when you know you have that kind of break after the the prayers of the faithful and i you know it's sunday masses when the the, the altar is being prepared and the gifts are being brought up and on uh daily masses it's a little bit shorter but um i've taken to kind of thinking back over the the day and like who are the people that I've come into contact with, you know, since the last time I've offered mass, where are they, you know, what's going on in their lives. And then, you know, mentally and prayerfully kind of putting that on the patent and, and saying, you know, like, like when I'm offering this bread and this wine to Christ to be transformed, to be transfigured, uh, not transfigured, but um, transubstantiated, you you know what I'm getting at. You know the word. You know the word. It's a complicated word and it's late at night, but when I offer it on the pat and the bread and the, and the wine, I'm also offering the lives of myself right. and the people I've come into contact with yeah. because in the end, I can be there. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's grace. It's grace that has to work, and yeah. the grace can't come from me. Father Dan? Yeah, to build off of what uh, Friar Nick and who was also building off of uh, Father Anthony earlier, when you are a diocesan priest um, and you think about, okay, well, why am I praying this bravery, right? I'm not doing it necessarily only for myself. If I did it just for myself, there's a lot of times that I wouldn't do it. But the idea that saying that there's a particular community of people to whom I am attached, and that doesn't exist simply as a seminary. And you have a diocese that you're studying for, but it's not that same relationship as ordination brings you into. So when you were ordained, when I was ordained a deacon, all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know, I have uh, maybe not necessarily an assignment, but now I actually have this um, realized sacramental relationship with a people, with a local church. And so when I began to pray the breviary as a deacon, there was a difference there because I knew that there was an attachment to this particular church. And that became even more um, acute as a priest because once you are assigned to a parish, and that actually, I mean, it happens as a deacon, right? When, or at least for us in Chicago. You sort of, we get our uh, parish assignments, we know where we're going in like February before the ordination and the ordination's in May. And so you can start to say, okay, yeah, these are the people whom I will be serving. Mm -hmm. And there's a realness that starts to build um, already there, which even then, like you meet some of them on weekends and you start to build those relationships, but they don't become real. It's kind of almost like, you know, social media is is a facade where we only post kind of like... The fun things and the good things, usually that's the, the rap that it, that it has, that it gets. And so uh, interactions in the parish can be like that on a surface level, right? When you are being welcomed into a parish, everything's wonderful. Everybody wants to tell you 
hopefully, <laughs> right, about how great things are and how much they're looking forward to having you there. Yeah. Hopefully it's not something else. And I'll be like, this needs to change because this was a garbage place before. <laughs> uh, hopefully that's not happening. But um, there's that uh, sort of superficial or surface element, I should say, to it. And then as you start to hear confessions, as we talked about, that's when you start to understand what are the things that people are struggling with. Not even necessarily just with the things that people are coming to confess, but in a very pointed way, a lot of times what people are not saying. Yeah. Uh, because it may just be a thing that oh, people are not aware that this exists because it exists in the human heart. Like one particular town or suburb is going to be like, no, we in this town, we don't struggle with jealousy. You know, we don't have that. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you're in Pittsburgh, I guess you have no reason to be jealous of anybody else. But uh, <laughs> So maybe since we're, we're running out of time, um, just go around the table, share briefly uh, maybe one one joy and one thing you're, you're either maybe not struggling with, but one thing you're kind of hoping to grow in or, or, or area where you find that you had like an ideal of what the priesthood was, you realize, wait, no, that's actually not true, uh, you know, or struggle of uh, something you're trying to grow in in your priesthood, um, just to say, like, because I think it's important to have both to say, because none of us, I think, are sad priests. But we're also not perfect priests, right? Yeah. And I think it's important for you to hear that that we have You're just okay. Okay, it's too easy, Father Dan. It's too easy for you to say something. Okay, I can't take every softball that's lobbed at me. All right, I'm better than that, obviously. But okay, but that's our Father Dan. Yeah, um, don't let him take too many pitches, though. Right, exactly. So um, it is the best thing about priesthood is people. The worst part about priesthood is people. That has been my experience. Um, in the confessional, sometimes you have these beautiful, honest confessions, and it doesn't always mean that they're well catechized or anything, but they're just doing their best. Sometimes you have people that are holding so much in their hearts, and you try to prompt them. There's nothing more you can do, and it's the most frustrating thing. Yeah. Um, in the sacristy, sometimes you have these lovely little conversations, or, or people are ready to pray. Sometimes people want to um, treat you as their own personal little celebrity. Um, sometimes you are preaching a homily and people are responding to you, not out loud because that would be illegal, but uh, you can tell something good is going on. Sometimes they're looking at their iPhones and you're like pouring your heart out. Uh, the highest highs and the lowest lows for me as a priest have been people. And I think there's something that makes sense about that. Um, so there you go. Brother Michael. Well, I think on a kind of on a personal level, I know you know we've talked a lot about um, how the priesthood is for others. That um, you know what we do is is for others. We're supposed to be holy not just for ourselves but for others. But we're also called to be holy for ourselves. I mean, one of the, the <laughs> things that we write in when we write the official petition to be uh, ordained to the the bishop, you know, we say for the sake of uh, the glory of God, the service of the church, and my own salvation, yeah. I seek to be to ordained to the priesthood, and so. For me, I kind of look at it and say, being a priest is part of my own path to being saved. And, um, and so I look at it, and sometimes the, the greatest thing about the priesthood is the mirror it holds up to myself. Mm -hmm. And the worst part of the, about the priesthood is looking in that mirror <laughs> yeah, you know, and good, seeing like, good. oh my gosh, I got so much to do. Yeah. You know, um, and, and you know, one of the things is, I haven't been a priest for very long, but you fall into this, this idea like, if I can't do it, nobody can. And, you know, I'm, I'm here in Pittsburgh right now, so I'm not at my parish in, in San Francisco. Today's a Sunday. 
I didn't get to celebrate mass in my the parish that I'm assigned to on a Sunday. And in my the back of my mind today, I'm thinking like, well, how'd it go? Did, uh, uh, did, did were the people nourished? Uh, you know, did did mass happen all right? And and sometimes realizing like it's not about me, right? People come up to you, and and oftentimes the the comments you get are only the positive comments after mass. Father, great homily. Father, beautiful service. <laughs> Father, great job doing this. The people who come up to you who want to say like, you stunk, right? Like my kid fell asleep. Like pick it up a little bit. They're not going to say that to you after mass. And so you kind of get this inflated sense. And so the pride starts to come in a little bit. And you start thinking like, well, if I'm not going to do it, nobody can do it, right? Like I'm a better priest than so-and-so, or I'm, I'm better at this. And, and, and so the, the hardest part is holding that mirror up and looking into it and seeing like, I need to get myself out of the way most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things about a priest is they're called to be a bridge for people. And when I start realizing like, I'm letting myself block that bridge, uh, that's hard. But it's also the best thing about being the priesthood is, it calls me to unblock that bridge, uh, not only for other people's sake, but also for my own sake. Yeah. Father Nick. It's kind of a combination of uh, Father Anthony and Father Michael were saying. I think the, one of the best things that's really happened to me is just the people. Um, and one of the, the toughest things that's ever happened to me is just recognizing my own inadequacies and now I need to be better. And, and one of the things I think the excellent example of that is I, I have some... Just a friend asked me uh, to to do this rosary novena um, with her. I've been it's one of those things I love the rosary like ten years ago and kind of got out of the habit of praying. It. And you know, uh, almost a year ago, I just started praying the rosary every day, um, all five decades. Sometimes I do it twice, and it's just this really beautiful experience of prayer and getting to know Jesus through Mary and through the rosary. And it's beautiful and. Somebody brought that to me, and then I, I talked to other friends, and they're like, yeah, I, I pray the rosary every day. Some people on Twitter do it as well, and it's just, it's beautiful. Um, and and I, I might have had that as a, a, a friar, um, but as a priest in particular, it's just a little, it's a different, it's a different um, character to that. Um, and these, these people would have not known me um, if I was a priest, so that was part of it. I think that the difficult thing um, is like, I... I got to do better. It's not just about me, but I need to do better. I just, I don't put the time into maybe homily prep as I'd like to, as I was saying before, it's, it's, been, it's been like four months I, since I've really preached uh, you know, regularly at a parish. I've had you know, special masses here and there. Um, and also just this letting go. Uh, when I, when I you know, hear confession we were talking about before, um, I've, I've done the best I can. There's this letting go. We really don't know what happens to these people afterwards. We we pray for them. We we hope that that God enters into their their lives and, and they experience this forgiveness. Um, but it, it's not about what I, I do or say in the confession. Um, I need to remember. I need to to let go um, that this is God's doing this work. Um, these are not my people. These are, are God's people, and I'm here to walk with them and walk for them. Um, in in I, I just need to be reminded of that every day. Um, but I'm a young priest. we got got a lot of priesting to do. Yeah. Yeah. Father Dan. Yeah, everybody's really um, covered all of it, I would say. One of the things that's helped me in terms of letting go with um, confessions, which, frankly, like I think probably that's the thing that I most enjoy, uh, as enjoy is kind of a weird word for it, but it's the thing that I think I most enjoy as a priest, because that's um, where it becomes real, you know, and that's yeah. again where you don't have any of the superficiality. That's where somebody says, "Here's my brokenness. Here's who I really am. Here's not what I just show other people on the outside, but you know, here's the parts of me that I don't like." 
Um, and what's helped me with that is a, a priest friend of mine who was ordained a couple of years ahead of me. He gave me a little kind of like placard to hang up in in my confessional. And I don't. I you would think I would have it memorized after four years, but I don't. Um, so, but it's uh, the sense of it is like you know asking God at the end of this time of hearing confessions uh, to supply whatever I have done unworthily and to uh, ask Him for His grace for these penitents so that they don't fall into whatever these sins are again, and for forgiveness uh, again for anything that I may have done incorrectly or not as well as I should have. And that, I think, is the whole thing, right? Is that um, I, I think all of us are somehow constantly asking God to make up for what we are doing unworthily. Amen, yeah. <laughs> yeah because there's a lot of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not because yeah. we don't do good work, um, but because the things that, are, that we have gotten into are just absurd, and it's really only one person who can do any of them, and that is... That's the joke, right? And, and, and when prayer uh, placement comes around, then the placement board goes and, and says, you know, what kind of priest do you think you need at this parish, at least in Chicago? This is a joke. What are you looking for in your next uh, pastor? Well, what they really want is Jesus Christ with an MBA, right? <laughs> None of us can be that, uh, but we can be pieces of it. Yeah. We can be reflections of it. We can be shards of it from time to time for individuals. And those are the moments that um, I try and go back to but they're so humbling, and so they're hard sometimes, but they're also, yeah. because of that, they're the most beautiful. For me, um, the hardest thing about it has been, uh, my biggest transition, I would actually have to say, has been becoming a pastor. It's mm. just, the hard thing about it is, I think, not intentionally, a lot of people just expect me to have all the answers right away. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm I, I'm just finally getting a sense of like okay I need to have this and plus personally I am not an organized person I, I hate paperwork mm-hmm. I hate administration I I have good vision like I know where my talents lie yeah, for being a pastor yeah. but I also know where my weaknesses lie as well and, and and so that's been a bit of a struggle and I kind of carry that weight or that guilt around with me almost daily to say like oh I don't. You know, someone asked me about this, I didn't have the answer, and I don't, you know, yeah, what do I do with this? And, um, I mean, I, and my people are very good, so they, I think they all, under, they, they do understand it. It's just most people are used to having an experienced pastor, and I'm not one of those. <laughs> so I'd say that's been the biggest adjustment, and, sure. and the adjustment in prayer and everything with all that, too. But the thing I love the most is, I think it's been interesting how, how many people have mentioned this. Is it's for me, it's confession. But I really discovered that when I was at the cathedral, I asked the pastor there, I said, we hear them every day before the weekday mass. For people who think we need to have confessions like every day, all the time at every parish, you have to understand, I'm in a diocese that's very pagan, not in terms of its Catholics, but just in terms of, of the culture of the people around us. Most people don't go to confession. And so he, he didn't think it would bear any fruit. I mean, it bears fruit. Not like we don't have hours of confessions at our cathedral because literally if we did, we would be sitting there for hours doing nothing. But we started doing half hour every day. And I loved it. And it I remember one of the people in my personnel, like on my pastoral, like as, as the new priest, my bishop wanted some lay people to help advise me. She's a consecrated lay person. I said, you know, I felt guilty some days that my prayer life wasn't as strong as it should be. She goes, well, tell me about your experience of confessions, because she knows I was speaking positively of it. I, I, so I did. She goes, don't you hear yourself? I said, what? She goes, you're praying when you're doing confession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She goes, why do you feel guilty about not praying when you are? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's true. When you do it right. 
Yeah, exactly. And I've just grown a real heart for it. And I still remember, you know, the transition time of going to a new place, it takes a while for both the people and for you. It takes a while for everyone to adjust to each other. Uh, I'm realizing, I thought it would happen faster. I'm realizing it's maybe just starting to happen now, but uh, just to kind of end it all. I remember this one beautiful experience. It was after Easter, it was Divine Mercy Sunday. And uh, I just mentioned we're going to have a Divine Mercy service at three o'clock. I said, mm-hmm. well, there's, a, there's this special promise from Jesus about what Divine Mercy offers about the forgiveness of sins. So I'll offer confessions from two to three as well. Yeah. Why not? You know, no one shows up. That's okay. I can yeah. pray. Yeah. If they come, great. great. I had to go back to confession after benediction because we had like 40 people wow. that, that Sunday. I, I, it was amazing. And while, I mean, people have to understand, we, we can't act on what we hear in confession, of course, but you get to know the heart of your parish through that. And you're like, okay, mm. now I know what I need to be, how I can be a priest for you all. I can't act on what I've heard, but like it just, it gives you that insight into your people. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's an amazing thing. It's a real honor. So, anyways, uh, on that note, on that beautiful or yeah. yet cheery note, it was. Well, it was, it was beautiful. beautiful. Thank you. I was oh. touched, but my very soul was warmed by a beautiful. Are you sure it wasn't the good. glow of your screen as you were staring at it? Oh, no. I mean, it was kind of boring for a while. I checked my yeah. <laughs> It's been a long episode. So, um, want to thank uh, Father Nick, Father Dan, Father Father Michael, and Father Alex for Friday, and uh, myself and Father Anthony are here. So, uh, thank you all for being with us this sun- this Sunday. We obviously, have to give a shout super out. special thanks to at Papa Sharapa for yeah. dealing with all these punks. Yes, he actually hosted <laughs> us. He gave us a place to stay for this weekend, even though he wasn't here for the weekend. He went to a wedding. So. God bless him for He trusted you in his house. I know, it's amazing. Yeah. So thank you for that. So Maybe we left him a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? He's going to scour his house when we leave for the surprise. There was a fire at so, such and such place on such and such road. It was, it's only because I tried to warm up a tortilla on the, the, the stove exactly. with no frying pan. Yeah. But no smoke alarm. We're all right. Yeah. So we'll end with this uh, saying, uh, what are So I'm at FR Harrison on Twitter. You already know, but I'm at Father Sharaba. Oh. oh, sorry, sorry. Our, our producers kind of quote me. I keep on forgetting about Tommy. We have Tommy on the little show here. And so, what? But, oh, yeah. Wait, He's been. Oh, my goodness. I know, but guys, it's been an hour oh. and 12 minutes. Um, we have no Sorry, time Tommy. And I know it's late. <laughs> you've got the, you got it with you. Next, I know you postponed putting the kids to bed, but. Uh, we're going to have to have you on next time. Sorry. So next I'm time. at FR Harrison on Twitter. I'm at Father Sharapa. At M. Lilydahl. Don't worry if you can't spell it. Just link, find me on Father Anthony's uh, Twitter line. Right, yeah. At FR Nick O-F-M-C-O-N-V. Prior, Did you have to prior. read it off the phone? Yeah, I don't. I'm really bad at Twitter. I don't know why. I, I really don't know why I have all these you people following me. You were looking up your own Twitter me. handle. I don't know what it what is. Do you, why, why did we invite you? I don't know. <laughs> Token religious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, at FR Rocket Dan. And you can find our podcast at Clerical Pod on Twitter. You can email us clerically speaking at gmail.com. You can download us on iTunes and Google Play and other podcasting avenues. Please leave a review. Like us on, on Facebook. Or not on Facebook. We're not on Facebook yet. No, we're never going to be on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> and then, you heard uh, it here. I'm not taking that back. <laughs> And uh, you can uh, please somebody start a Facebook page. <laughs> you can download the show there. Please leave a review. It's how other people can find the show. We'd really appreciate that. Please DM us on the account if you've got any questions. We'll do our best to get back to you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week.
week. God bless you all. Peace. That's what I'll be. Amen. Peace.